Come on, how many of you believe today that if you're going to claim to live for a different kind of God, then we should live a different kind of life? In fact, I believe so much in being different that when it dropped down below 40 degrees, I wore the first jacket in this sanctuary in recent memory. If you see me in a jacket, there are one of two things that have taken place. Someone has passed from this life into the next, or... It is 40 degrees or below. So I'm going to give it a shot in first service, preaching in a jacket. This can be your visual aid for being something different. Um, I cannot promise you that I'm going to make it all the way through this message in this jacket. I want to take the opportunity to say thank you, um, not only to Pastor John, but to Pastor John and Tanya Shouse for everything that they do from the nursery all the way into the sanctuary, putting my sermon message into the computer every week. It takes a special individual, and I want to just celebrate him for not only filling the pulpit, but communicating very well a message that was laid on his heart. Um, there are not a lot of people out there that can come in on a Sunday morning lead worship practice, lead prayer before service, get the whole team together, go into service, lead two worship sets, and preach two sermons. And Pastor John Shouse is one of the few people on earth that has the ability to do that. And for that, I'm very thankful. Because I turned my phone off and ignored everybody that had anything to do with uh, not family emergencies last week. And yes, Pastor John, I actually was in the middle of a massage last Sunday morning. It was a couple's massage. My wife was right there. Hey, next week, um, we're going to have a giant donut wall up against the back wall beside the coffee. Yeah, we love donuts. Glory to God. And God, because you bring it in the sanctuary and He's able to transform everything, He's going to turn those donuts into celery when it comes down into our body. All of that sugar is just going to be energy that you're going to burn off and take a great nap next Sunday afternoon. So if you know somebody that doesn't like church, but they do like donuts, bring them next Sunday morning. Don't forget to set your clocks back uh, next Sunday morning. Remember, fall back, spring forward, fall back. And this afternoon, we're going to have a great time together. Um, this morning's message, we're in this series called Different. And today I want to talk to you about a different calling. Now, I want to confess to you, God did not call us to this church. Can I just, I, I, some of you are going to, whoa, what does that mean? God called us to this community. In fact, God called us to this region. God gave me a vision about three years ago of the state of Louisiana with a homing signal in the middle of the state. And that homing signal began to flash and grow bigger and bigger until it exploded in my face and I woke up. I didn't know that there was a New Hope Fellowship already here. God called us to a region and then he showed us a church. Listen, you are called to a region as the church, as the body of Christ. You have a calling. See, I knew that we were coming here because God had already given me a vision. I just didn't tell anybody else that we were coming here because God had given me a vision. My wife knew, and I knew, and it was that vision that we held on to when we came through Mamu. Pulled up to Raceway went down the backside of the industrial past brownies. Who knew that the jackpot was laying in there? Past brownies on the right, this really cool-looking 
scary store in front of us, took a left, came down the road, and the GPS took me to the baseball fields. I thought, my Lord, this is my kind of church. We're going to have a good time here. So we just kept driving, up, and I thought, man, Google doesn't even know where this church is. How are we got? Are we called to this place? And I said it out loud, and I looked at Megan, and I said, what did he say? <laughs> and then I discovered that there was potential all around this place that I didn't see first and foremost. Can I tell you that, that in the call of God, there is some potential in the calling on your life that you may not see initially. See, I could have never seen 430 people come into the sanctuary that I couldn't find, but God did. I could have never seen 35 people baptized in water and many more are going to be baptized at the end of this month, but God did. I could have never seen some of the marriages that were restored because of the calling that God has placed on the house and the people within the house. The people that were going to be ministered to and served in the sanctuary that was going to be built up on 190 and the thousands of people that were going to be affected because of New Hope Fellowship's existence within a community called Eunice that I didn't even know where it is. I couldn't see it. I didn't know it, but God did. And he does the same for you. Just because you don't see it initially doesn't mean that it's not there. Brother Joey Johnson would tell me, Chris, I, I stayed up late every night. I mean, I, God would wake me up and I'd see your picture. God would wake me up. I'd see your resume. I'd sit up till 2 o'clock in the morning thinking, Lord, what is it about this guy and this girl, this couple? What is it about this couple that you want me to know? He said, I lost a lot of sleep over you. And I said, don't blame me because you weren't listening to God sooner. You could have slept just fine if you just thrown everybody else's resume away and listened to Jesus. Listen, you are called. You are called. I am called. We are called to be different. Can I just semi-objectively define different for you just for a second? Different is not doing things the way that we've always done them. Different is not doing things the way that everyone else is doing them. Different is not continuing in the same direction and expecting to arrive at a new destination. Different is looking to serve more than, not rather than, but more than we expect to be served. Different is not hiding in a holy huddle on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to that. Different is not righteousness through regulations. Different is righteousness through relationship with Jesus Christ. Different is being in the world, around the world, but having more impact on the world than the world has on you. I'm going to choose in this day to be different. But the problem is that we have too many believers that are no different than the world that they live in. We have believers in the world, believers in the world that act just like the world. That's not different. And that's not a follower of Christ. See, God is calling you. God is calling me to something specific, to something different. There's a theme in this book that we're going through, 1 Peter, and we're highlighting some specific passages in Scriptures. And the theme, according to most commentaries, and you can even see it if you just read through the deal, is that we are called. We're foreigners where we are, but we are called to something more.
Did you know that you don't have to know your assignment in order to know that you were called? I didn't have to know that I was going to be a senior pastor whenever I first went into children's ministry for six months and almost destroyed that program and every beloved baby that was in it. I just knew that I was called to something. I didn't know what the assignment was. I just knew that I had a calling. And you have a calling. Because I'm not going to go to the hospitals and work every day. I'm not going to go to the campus and walk down the hallways. Because they would kick me out. Because I don't get carded anymore. That's why I keep this beard. If I went down the campus of every, or hallway of every campus in town, I would get run off because kids are afraid of me. Like, they're not like, oh, look, the bearded guy. No, it's not white. I'm not hefty. They don't like this beard. That's not how it goes. But you can have influence in the place that God has placed you, that God has put you, because you are called to that place. Well, what is my assignment? It's to know that you're called. To know that you can make a difference where you are. To know that you can be different from everybody else, even though the atmosphere may or may not be conducive for it. You are called. Maybe just look around and tell a couple of people, you're called, you're called, you're called. Come on, try it. Let's do it. I know you don't like it. I don't like it either. Now just tell yourself before you look back, because it's always easier to point at, point at somebody else and make sure that they know the message. Listen, you need to identify and confess right now. Everybody in here, I am called. Not just the pastor, not just the staff, not just the elders, not just the board, not just the people that are already living for Jesus or have been living for Jesus for a long time. Students, you're called. You're called. Guest, you're called. Whether you've been in this sanctuary for three months or 30 years, God has a calling upon your life. Let me give you some places into which you're called. We'll go through the first two very quickly and we'll settle in on the third one. Number one, you have an eternal call. To Jesus. Every person in this room. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to relate to you right where you are. Well, pastor, you don't know me. Well, I know that he related to the woman that had been with five men. And the, one, the man that he, she was just with was not her husband. He got down where she was. We call her the woman called in adultery. Jesus calls her a daughter of the Most High God. I don't know where you are today, and I don't know what you're dealing with, and I'm not going to pretend to know, because it may be heavier than anything I've ever faced, but I'm telling you, son, daughter, you have a calling. It's eternal that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And he didn't just see me and my bride or the people on the first four rows. He saw everybody in this room whenever he hung on that cross. And yet he followed through with what God had called him to. Because he loved you. It is the will of God that none should, none should, per none should perish. That's God's will. That none should perish. But that all would repent or turn to him. Peter, the author of this book, 1 Peter, he knew this all too well. Jesus called Peter. Peter was in a boat doing the same thing over and over again. He had fished all day, fished all night, and caught nothing. Jesus said, hey, cast your net on the other side. He said, Peter, I need you to do something different. Now, Peter, it was likely that Peter would do what many of us do. Preacher, you don't know me. 
Preacher, you don't know what I've been through. I know you're good at preaching. You do you, and I'll do me. See, you know preaching, but I know fishing. And that's what Peter said. Peter said, Jesus, I I respect you greatly, brother. But I know fishing. And I've been fishing all night long. I've been doing what I know. And just because you tell me to do something different doesn't mean that anything's going to change. I know fishing and you know preaching. But because you say it, I'll give it a shot. Peter, Peter said, I'll give, it a, I'll give it a try. And so he threw his net on the other side of the boat, and his net got stuck because fish were holding it down. I'm telling you, if you'll do something different, you may not see it immediately like Peter did, but you will understand that you are called to something eternal and not temporary. Number two, we have an eternal call to Jesus, but we have a temporary call to an assignment. Now, this is the place that most people get stuck. In fact, this is the place that most people define the call of God upon. What am I called to? A temporary assignment that causes us to doubt or confirm our belief and our faith in God. I ain't going to make it, baby. Temporary call. Here's the thing about the temporary. Even though we put so much significance on it, it's actually subject to change. It's like my children's ministry call. (laughs) Thank God that was subject to change. Because I was messing some kids up. Okay, You can't holler shut up at eight, seven-year-old boys with their mama in the room and expect to influence them positively for eternity. No, that was not going well, okay? I needed to get out of that. But I knew that I had a call. I knew that I had a call to full-time vocational ministry. Some of you have a call. All of you have a call to full-time. There may be some missionaries in the room right now that have never decided to just jump ship and do what God's called them to do. There may be some some pastors and teachers in the room right now that if you would let us know or go through next steps, do the evaluation, and help us confirm exactly the assignment that God has called in you, then we would give you some opportunities, whether it's in children's ministry, teenage ministry, adult ministry, a small group. There's some small groups sitting in this room right now that are going to impact the lives and the families of the people that are coming to them, but you've got to realize that you're called called in order to operate in your calling even if it's a temporary assignment the temporary assignment is subject to change sometimes we put too much of our identity on a temporary assignment most of us get really excited when we figure out what college we were supposed to go to it's a temporary assignment most of us get really excited when we figure out what full-time vocation we're supposed to pursue But it's a temporary assignment. Most of us get really excited when we make the sports team or the dance team. Or we get the job as the nurse or the doctor, the teacher, the principal, the administrator. Perhaps the mechanic, the missionary, the pastor, 
the builder, the contractor, whatever it is. These are temporary assignments that we place our significance in. But that's not our true calling. It's just a temporary assignment. See, God is more concerned with who we are than what we do. This is the calling that God is concerned with. Number three, if you're taking notes. Not the temporary call to an assignment, but the daily call to a different standard. He wants to show us who we are. Because when we understand who we are, then He can show us what to do. Now, God's not uninterested in the what. So does it matter what we do? Oh, yeah, it does. And if you continue down the wrong path, then you'll suffer the consequences of those decisions. And if you continue down the right path, you may face some persecution based on your beliefs anyways. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, I can promise you that He is more interested in your being than your doing. Some of us get distracted by this. Man, the thing that used to frustrate me the most in youth ministry is the student's doing. Because how many of you know that when you were under 18, you were an idiot? Just raise your hand, right? <laughs> I hope that word was okay to say. Hi, I'm Chris. I did some ignorant stuff below the age of 18. And on to 21, 24, 28, 27, 20, I'm going backwards now, 33. I still do ignorant stuff. Because I'm still growing in this thing. But when I understood that God is more interested in my being than my doing, I stopped focusing on the doing and started focusing on the being, and the doing flowed out of who I became in Christ. So when you're dealing and you're ministering and you're working with somebody, you're discipling somebody, don't get distracted by the doing. Don't get distracted by, by the behavior. Focus on the being. Focus on the individual. Focus on helping that person understand who they are in Christ. And then Jesus can show them what to do with their life. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. As a youth pastor early on in ministry, actually it was about midway through, it really wasn't that long ago, I kind of forgot who I was. Ever happened to you? Happened to me. I'll confess, be the example for you. I just forgot who I was for a minute. I was in the dugout, and, and I'd been in a lot of dugouts over time, but there hadn't been in a lot of dugouts as a youth pastor over time. And for a minute, I got more focused on the game and the atmosphere of being in the dugout, even as a volunteer coach that didn't really have uh, much authority. I just kind of remembered, reverted back, if you will, to some of my other dugout years when I was not... Um, saved, much less sanctified and, and trying to be a youth pastor. And this 18-year-old guy, thank God he was 18, it could have gotten in more trouble, but this 18-year-old guy, he was having a bad day. His bad day led to a bad attitude and some bad words amongst the teammates and some two teammates got involved. They were together and the head coach was on third base and I was sitting there and I was doing logs or something. I don't know. I had a clipboard for some reason. I was probably drawing baseballs or something. I don't know. But whatever it was, I was sitting there and these two guys got into it and... Uh, one of them was, was more wrong than the other one. And so I focused on the one that was more wrong. And I threw the clipboard down, 
And I stood up and I told him, if you don't have any more sense than that, then you just shut your mouth. And I didn't swear. I didn't. I almost did, but I didn't. And I told him, shut your mouth and go sit down. And this 18-year-old kid, young man, uh, being challenged by the youth pastor and not the coach, he said, who are you talking to? <laughs> I said, boy, you don't know me. So No, I didn't say it. I said, I'm talking to you, you smart mouth little punk. One of these days, you're going to learn some authority or somebody's going to teach it to you. And if I have to, I'll do it myself. And that was not the right thing to say in that moment. Man, the other assistant coach came running in, and he had slapped three kids earlier that week, but he had a holier-than-thou moment in that minute. And so he come running in, and, you can't talk to a kid like that. I was like, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. <laughs> Sometimes, if we're not careful... See, in that moment, I, f- I forgot who I was. I got so involved in all the stuff going on around me that I forgot who I was. And when I forgot who I was, it affected what I did. God wants you to know who you are. Peter is writing to a group of first century believers that, have, that could have easily forgotten who they were. This group of first century believers that were persecuted in a way that we, know, we do not know. Some people in our, in our world know it today, but we don't know it here in the Bible Belt and the safety of South Louisiana. We don't understand. These people were accused of being superstitious. They were accused of being uh, just insensuous, like in, practicing incest. They were accused of being cannibals. How is that possible? Well, superstitious because they believed in miracles and they believed in healing and they believed that God was willing and able to do those things and they were even seeing it happen in their church. They were superstitious. You guys are superstitious. You don't live in reality. The only thing that can help a human body is a doctor. No, no, no. We believe in healing. We believe that the blood of Jesus still heals today just like it did back then. We still believe in the laying on of hands and the anointing with oil. And we believe that God's going to heal one way or another. And he may want to do it right here in the altar just to prove a point. To reveal his glory and his ability. So they were called superstitious. They were called insensuous. Like like they were practicing incest. Because the Bible spoke of agape love for one another. And then they would have these feasts based on that agape love, and they would have a a feast for their brothers and sisters together. Well, they didn't understand that these were just like brothers and sisters in Christ. They thought that everybody was coming together with their brother and sister and practicing incest. And finally, they were accused of being cannibals because the man that they believed in, those people knew, said, take my body and eat it. The only way you'll be my disciples is if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. So these people are, are superstitious, they're incestuous, and they're, they're cannibals. So before Peter told them anything new that they should be doing, before Peter reminded them of what they should be, how they should be living, he reminded them of who they were. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to people that went to four years of theological seminary? Is he talking to people that subjected themselves to, uh, to, to never being married or, or never having a family or leaving everything that they knew and they loved? No. He was talking to people just like you and me who just simply believed in Jesus. You are royal priest. In other words, you have the right to live as a king and as the right to live as a priest in the Holy of Holies. You have the right to have a, a, a dominion and authority and power, and you also have the right to come to me as a priest in prayer. You're royal and priestly at the same time. You, you are a holy nation, just like Abraham was, and his descendants would be more than the stars. Inside of you is a holy nation full of people that can be affected with the gospel because you are God's very own possession. Now, as a result, because you know that, now that I've told you, because you can believe that now that you've seen it in His Word. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. See, these people had so much respect for the priesthood of Aaron that Peter wanted them to know, you belong to the same God that Aaron belonged to. You are just as important as every Levitical priest that's ever made a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. I care just as much about you. I'm opening this thing up in a way that I've never opened it up before, and you're going to have a greater impact than the church has ever had before. Because of this, you can show the goodness of God. Because of this, you can show others who you are. See, in a world today, Christians are not known for the things that we should be known for. Anybody agree with that? If you say, you go outside of the Bible Belt, especially, and you say, I'm a Christian, people back up. <laughs> people will stop what they're doing and walk away from you. Either that or they will automatically become defensive because they think you're about to come at them with something that they don't want. And that should be the exact opposite effect that Christians should have. See, in the world today, Christians are known more for their self-righteousness than their servanthood. In the world today, Christians are known more for their intolerance than their patience. Christians are known more for their judgment than God's mercy. Christians are known more for their bigotry and their hypocrisy than they are their goodness and their faithfulness. And friends, these things should not be. Even in the world today. And if you know somebody that has a sign and stands on a street corner and screams at people that God hates them and God's judging them, I'm telling you right now that that's a demon from hell and you need to go take authority over that thing and preach the love of God right beside the person that's preaching the hate of God. And I'm not saying that God doesn't hate the wicked and the things that come out of the wicked, but I know that it is the will of God that none should perish but all should come to repentance. And he gave his son's life so that those people could know how much he cares about them until he he has to separate them eternally. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for a street corner preacher. But it should be done out of servanthood, patience, mercy, and faithfulness. Not self-righteousness and bigotry. 
Verse 10, after verse 9 in 1 Peter, once you had no identity as a people. You had a temporary call that didn't mean anything to you. You had no identity, but now you are God's people. Don't fall asleep on me in first, first service because it's a little warm in here and it's chilly outside and you got your blankets on, okay? <laughs> you, need to, you need to know that you are God's chosen people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, this is not what you were created for. This is not the place that you're going to spend eternity. It is appointed unto every man, woman, and child once to die, and then the judgment. So unless you're taken up in a chariot like Elijah, or you go up like Enoch, or you're resurrected like Jesus. Even Lazarus died again, and I can almost promise you that every person in this room, barring the return of Christ, only has one life to live. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. Here's what he's saying. So show people what we believe by how we behave. Teenagers, show people what you believe by how you behave. Nurses, teachers, doctors, lawyers, firemen, policemen, mechanics, whatever it is that you do, show people what you believe by how you behave. Now, some people believe that the best defense is just a good offense. And some people believe that the best thing is just a good defense. And defense wins championships. Well, if either one of those were the case alone, then a team would lose their tail off. Because it doesn't matter how many points you score. If you're like the Dallas Cowboys with no defense, you're going to get beat when you face somebody that has one. Okay? And it doesn't matter how great your defense is. If you go three and out every time, bless <coughs> you, Les Miles, three and out every time, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, you're going to get stuck on 10 wins every year for 17 years and then be celebrated after you won a national championship with Nick Saban's players. You know what I mean? you got to have both is what I'm trying to say. A good defense and a good offense. But listen to me, don't you live life on your heels. Jesus didn't die on the cross, take dominion and authority back from hell so that you could live life like this. No, Jesus took the authority so he could give it back to us. All authority in the heaven and on the earth has been given unto me, and I give it back to you so that you could walk on, press forward, not worrying about what's behind, but moving on towards the goal, the prize, the reward that God has in store for you because you are called. You can live righteously, you can live boldly, you can live confidently, and you can still live humbly before your God. You don't have to live defensive. You don't have to live confrontationally. You don't have to fight for the truth. The truth is perfectly capable of defending itself, but you got to know it in order to be able to live it. You don't have to fight for it all the time. You just reveal the truth and let it speak for itself. Can I talk to you for just a minute about my generation? We are uninterested in what you think you know. We as a generation 
Generation X, Millennials, IGen, Generation Z, whatever it is, baby boomers and below. We are uninterested in another preacher on a platform. We want to see production outside of the platform. We've seen enough people that can preach a good message and then sleep with one of the young women on the outside of the sanctuary. We've seen enough of a bunch of elderly people that are more angry than they are loving towards the next generation. We've seen enough of people hogging the platform instead of raising up the next phase of ministry so that they're able to accomplish the task of God. We don't want to know what you think you know. We want you to show us what God has done in you, how God has made a difference in you church should be more about what we can contribute than what we consume either that or Jesus is a liar when he said it's better to give than to receive we as a church should be known by what we are for not just what we're against we're really good at letting people know what we're against we're really good at letting people know what we don't like but what we're not really good at is letting them know what the word of God that is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword that can change the spirit and soul for all eternity what that says and the significance and difference that that made because we live just like them (laughs) but we should be different We should contribute to our community, not just have awesome services on Sunday morning. Can I get a little more churchy today? When in the world did the Holy Spirit become bound to a good gospel band and a loud preacher? When did the Holy Spirit become bound by the four walls of the sanctuary And the church become more interested in what happened in a service than being a servant outside of the house of God. What happened to the bride of Christ where she began to think that it was more about her than the other children of God? The generations that I'm in and before me don't care how the service was at church. They want to know how the church is at service. Some great things happen when we get in the church and we have a service, but I'm telling you something today, that even greater things than these shall take place when you get the service inside of the church and you begin to make a difference in the lives of the people that God has put in your path. We have got to take this thing into the field. we got to take it beyond the foyer and beyond the fold. Listen to me. There's no harvest in the foyer. There's no harvest in the fold. The harvest is plentiful, but it stands in the field waiting on a spirit filled son, daughter, child of God to come in and show them the difference that he has made in their lives so that they will chase after the difference that he has made for them we have got to take this thing further, verse 12 be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors he doesn't say anything about having a great Sunday morning service And I've said it before, if you love what we do, hate what we do, dislike we do, I don't care. You can come tell me if you want to, but if you come talk to me about Sunday, you better get ready to talk to me about Monday. Because don't get mad at me for not doing in the altars on Sunday morning what you don't do every day of your life. Take this thing beyond the walls and let's make a difference in the community. Quit worrying about service on Sunday morning and begin to focus on serving Monday through Saturday. And I'm telling you, we'll have to take 
that firewall down before we even get to 190. Because that's what God is about. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. You've missed the point of this thing. If you think it's about you, I came to serve. Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. And even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. And then they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Jump to verse 15. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. You don't have to come back against every ignorant post that somebody makes. That's not the place you're going to win, people. You're not going to win them with your ability to Google really good answers and paste it into the comment box. It's not going to happen. Stop. Stop fighting against the people that were supposed to be winning. Stop fighting against the people that we're supposed to be serving and making a difference in. Jesus was most comfortable around sinners. And sinners were most comfortable around Jesus. An unbeliever shouldn't get in your presence and be uncomfortable with you. They should get in your presence and become uncomfortable with them. Because they see something in you that they need and they want and they desire more of. Verse 21, for God called you. God called you. See, I, that's why I had you say, I'm called. Because God called you, not just Peter and Paul and the apostles, the evangelists, the teachers. He's talking to the church. God called you to do good. Even if it means suffering. Man, I was, I was doing okay when you were excited about it. But when it begins to affect my mood, when it begins to affect my schedule, when it begins to affect what I had planned for that day, when it begins to affect the people that I love, man, am I, am I called to this? We suffer just as Christ suffered because He's our example. We follow in His steps. What's my calling to be like Jesus? What's my calling to abide in Christ and walk as He walked? My calling is to love like Him, to live like Him, to look like Him, to long for time in the presence of the Father like him verse 22 through 24 I'm just going to read it to you I don't know if you have it or not this is what Jesus was like he never sinned nor had ever deceived anyone he did not retaliate when he was insulted see I'm not good at that what did you say to me I said <laughs> that's my first response listen that's not God Jesus wouldn't have done that he never did it the only people that he did that to were church people He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God 
who always judges fairly. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And by his wounds. Wait, he's talking about doing good or healing. Yeah. By his wounds, we're healed. Even when we suffer for the sake of the gospel. By his wounds, we're healed. Even when we don't do it right on Monday morning. By his wounds, we are healed. Now we know that people can do good even though they don't believe in Jesus. But that's still normal. Because good is an inherent trait that we have from the Father. But what's not normal is to not repay evil for evil. To not hate back when we're hated. To not seek vengeance when something's been done wrong to us. To not have a church bumper sticker and show that you don't really go to church. That's <laughs> why I don't have one. Like, you're not going to see New Hope on the back of my truck. Because sometimes I get driving down the road and I get distracted by some things and I forget who I am. Get out of the way! In the name of Jesus, bless you. Bless you. New Hope. <laughs> I'm the pastor. Come Sunday. We'll love on you. Listen, I'm not saying you're going to get this thing right all the time. But I'm saying that we serve a God that did. That does. And will forever. And that if you can know who you are, then you will know what to do. I want every person in the room today to know this final thing. You're on call. Right now. Jesus is calling you to a deeper relationship. Maybe he's calling you to a relationship at all. You are on call right now. When you walk out of that foyer today, you're going to walk into the field where the harvest is and you need to remember that you are on call. I'm on call. The church pays for my cell phone and unless it dies... And I intentionally don't plug it back in because the battery was dead and the charger's in the back. My phone is on call. I'm on call. All the time. I don't always do a great job at answering and being on call, but I'm on call all the time. You're on call. Right now. You're on call this afternoon. Why are we having a Halloween festival? Because what the devil meant for evil when he thought he tricked the world and conjured them into believing that there are spirits floating around on Hallow's Eve and then people dressed up in costumes to try to get in, get in good with the spirits and, and left out food for the spirits to eat. We're going to take that jacked up doctrine and we're going to provide a healthy, safe, godly, friendly, serving event. And what the devil thought he had deceived the world into believing, we're going to take the same atmosphere. We're going to redeem it in a healthy way so that children can come receive candy, prayer, and a blessing. And that families may come back next Sunday, believe in Jesus, and infect an entire generation with the gospel of servanthood that they would have never seen had the devil just left them people alone and not taught them that lesson. Not could begin to believe that thing or do that thing. Listen, you can make a difference. 
in the lives of other people because you're called. Jesus, I pray right now that every person in the room would understand that we are called. That you're our example and that you lived a perfect life and that we may not live perfectly, but we can be in you and we can be made perfect. That you bore our sins and you stayed on the cross when you could have retaliated. And this morning I pray that you would help us to know that we are on call. Every person in the room, I pray that they would make it personal right now and believe according to your word, I am on call. Listen, with every head bowed and we're already in the atmosphere of prayer before anybody else leaves or get anything together, I want to acknowledge the call. The first call today is whether you are or are not a follower of Christ. Whether you have or you have not received the salvation that is offered in Christ. And if you're in the room right now and you have never before received salvation or it's been a really long time and you know you need to recommit to that because you haven't been following Jesus but you want to today. Would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Just include me in that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, don't get, don't, don't just sit there when you know that the Holy Spirit's talking to you and you want to receive salvation because you know you haven't been living for or with Jesus. You didn't really come in here today knowing who you were in Christ, but you heard a message today. I'm talking to one more, maybe 10 more people. I know there's one more. If the Lord is stirring in your spirit today to receive salvation, if he's talking to you, just lift your hand right there and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? That's me. Here's the second call, church. I am a follower of Christ. I am a follower. I do believe in Jesus. But I need to recognize my call more consistently on a daily basis. I need to recognize that I'm called to be a minister of love and a carrier of grace. I'm called to make a difference in this community, to serve, to pray, to show what it looks like to be saved. If that's you and you know that you need to commit to that at a greater level, would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm called. I'm called. Come on, just declare it over yourself this morning. Come on, church, I want the entire church to pray with, especially with those that raised their hand for salvation. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Jesus, take my life. Make it yours. Forgive me of my sin, my shortcomings, my failures. Save me. Make me new. I believe that you died on the cross for me and you rose again so that I could live with you. Put me on call. I am yours to do your will. Thank you for saving me. Now use me to build your kingdom and to follow you with all of my heart. Come on, church, would you stand today and give Jesus a big praise, a big worship? Would you celebrate with me all of those who just confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, who received salvation for the first time or the first time in a long time? Come on, let's praise Jesus big. 
We're not praying for revival. We're living in it. Praise Jesus big today. Come on, would you just, hey, listen, we're going to do one more thing today before we leave. But if you raised your hand and received first salvation for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you recommitted your life or if you want to be water baptized, I'm not even going to make you go sign up on the sheet. If you want to be baptized in water, if you'll just take a connect card in front of you and just write your name and the decision that you made, we will find a way to get in touch with you because we can Facebook stalk you and send you a message. So just write your name on the card. Write your name on the card. Let us know. Hey, listen, let us know what Jesus did in your life today so that we can pray with you, pray for you, and partner with you because you are not alone in this life. Come on, church, as they're filling out their cards all around, would you just open your hands like I'm handing you a present? Let's pray and have a great afternoon. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word that it shall not return unto you void, that we would be more than hearers but doers of your word. And I pray right now that you would bless us and keep us, that you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance and give us your peace. As we accomplish your will, walk in your ways. Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Saturate us with your presence. Empower us to be different and called. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Meet somebody that you don't know before you leave the sanctuary.